Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Yeah. 
wonderful counselor, mighty God. We stand before you recognizing that you, O oh Lord, are the one who holds us. Upon this rock is your church built. The recognition of your lordship, of your glory, and as the one who is called the Christ, the son of the living God. And because of that work, we can stand in confidence and boldness, rejoicing in your victory, rejoicing in your glory, rejoicing in your might. Only one deserves this honor, this great honor. He said that, and then there was, there was a seal in there. And then he looked around and there was none who was worthy. Oh, but then the love of God that was slain from the foundations of the earth came forth. And then there was rejoicing. There was rejoicing. Only one person is deserving of this glory. We magnify you, Father. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. That was slain from the foundation of the earth. We bless, we bless your holy name. Your name is Comforter, Savior, Jesus. Like the beauty before the rain you are master savior jesus let heaven and earth proclaim oh kings and kingdoms will all fade away there's just something about that name Jesus 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 there is something about have come and gone Jesus. kings will come and go but there is one who is alive forevermore father we honor you we recognize your lordship here we recognize your glory here we acknowledge you as the one who holds everything in existence father we do not stand by our strength we do not have a life of our own we have been crucified and the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who died for us and gave his life for us. Christ, who is now our life, 
is our life. He is our life. He is our life. And we bless you for everything that you have done, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Someone shout, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. My brothers and sisters, we celebrate our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Bible makes us to understand that this is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. It is always a thing of joy to stand before the people of God to share the word. It is not something that is um, taken for granted. It is a privilege, a privilege, a honor, a privilege and a honor. Um, so we honor the name of the Lord and we bless him for all that he has done. Amen. 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 You are acting like the person preaching is the person who bled for you. <laughs> who bled for you? Who bled for you? Then praise his name like you really appreciate it. Ah, Father, we bless your name. Jesus is alive. Amen? I feel like singing that song again. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. But the fact that I feel like singing it doesn't mean I will sing it. <laughs> because we are time conscious. Amen? Amen. I want to honor our pastor, Pastor Kwame Boateng. Pastor, I honor you, sir. Um, we honor your leadership. Um, we honor the, everything that the Lord is using you for. We pray that the Lord will continue to grant you strength. I honor the leadership, the elders of this church. God bless you for your wisdom, your guidance. I bless, um, I bless our fathers, our mothers. We honor you. We appreciate your sacrifices upon our lives. God bless you, sirs and mas. Turn to your neighbor and say, I honor you too. I honor you too. I honor you. You are my brother. You are my sister. I honor you. Speak like you mean it. Honor them because really, they are your brother. They are your brethren forever. Eternally, they would be there. Eternally, they will be there. Eternally, they stand by you. So honor them. Tell them, I see the glory of God upon your life. I see the light of God shining. The glory of God shining. The glory of God shining. The message of God has brought us here. The grace of God uplifts us into the place where he desires. So keep blessing the name of the Lord. Because it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God. It is something that God gave to you without you deserving. It is something that you have to acknowledge to give him all the praise and all the honor. It is him, the king of glory, to whom all glory is due. Amen. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I can't stop saying it. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That problem, that thing that you are facing, I promise you Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that thing is insignificant. When you compare the storm against the master of the seas, the seas must be calm at the word of his command. Someone shout, Jesus is alive. And at the mention of his word, all things obey. Jesus is alive. Don't be condemned. Don't stand ashamed. I speak to you by the message of God and by the grace that he releases that Jesus is alive. That storm cannot kill you. That pain cannot hold you bound. I say Jesus is alive. I strongly feel someone needs to hear that. Our God is not dead. 
before our faces, all gods are dead. All gods are dead. There is no God. Before our faces, there is no other God. That is why Paul, when he was speaking to those who were contesting about eating one thing or the other in the book of Corinthians, he said, I know that there are no other gods, so I don't even care where the food came from, if it has been sacrificed to an idol. Because Why? Because all idols are dead. But our God is alive. Jesus Christos, Jesus the Messiah. For he lives forever. Mighty God. Amen. I promise you, I don't plan to do this all the time. I promise you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your word would be sown on fertile ground. Your children are before you. Father, we are praying, O oh Lord, that revelation knowledge will come forth. That that which cannot be comprehended with the normal human capacity, that the capacity of the spirit will be unleashed in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that all the spiritual senses of the mind, of the heart, that you have released in the capacity of Christ himself, that it would allow a germination of that word that has been planted, that there will be productivity. They shall yield fruits in the fullness of the capacity that you supply. We pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you for what you have done. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Very quickly, um, we quickly go with go on to the word. And the topic for today is commending the glory of hope. Commending the glory of hope. And we read from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12. quickly read that he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory amen that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory now when we try to read within context what uh, our um, apostle Paul was preaching he said the better way to actually read that verse would be this that we, whose first hope is in Christ, should be to the praise of his glory. Because when you begin to read, you, begin to, you, you see that he's actually talking about everyone within the framework of Christ. Everyone within the framework of Christ. And we have to ask ourselves first, what does it mean to have a first hope in Christ? What does it mean to have a first hope in Christ? Now, let's read from verses 7 to 8. Verse 7 to 8 of Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7 to 8 of Ephesians chapter 1. And I read, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. I read that again. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, the first thing is to have a first hope means that we are found in him. Look at that, verse 7. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Everything that is found in Christ is found in him. 
Now, the redemption, the forgiveness of sins, all the riches of his grace, everything are encapsulated, they are covered within him. So when you step into him, you step into redemption. When you step into him, you step into the forgiveness of sins. You did not receive the forgiveness of sins by asking for the forgiveness of sins. He died and gave you the free gift of the forgiveness of sins. That is why Paul, when he went around preaching, he said, I go around preaching what? The forgiveness of sins. Christ is the forgiveness of sins. It is not by you saying, Father, forgive me. He forgave you before you even asked. Look at him on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They did not ask for it. He gave it to them willingly. So he was basically saying that being in me is the fullness of everything. Being in me is the forgiveness of sins. You want to know why you don't even have to ask. There are some things that you do that you don't know is a sin. What does sin mean? It just means missing the mark. Now, sin is different from trespass. Trespass is you know exactly what to do. You know that this is the right way to go. But you decide in yourself that I am going to have my way. And then you deviate from that mark and do your own thing. Now, that is a trespass. Now, a sin is you actually think you are doing the right thing. There is a way that cement right unto a man, but the end are the ways of destruction. They are the ways of death. So he says, once you step into me, once you accept me, you have received the forgiveness of sins. Amen? I know many of you will start thinking, does that mean I can do anything I want to do? If you are in him and you truly accepted him, if you are thinking like that, that you can you do anything you want to do, that means you have to have a rethink. Because anyone who steps into him would want to honor him, would want to magnify him, would want to praise him, would want his name to be exalted, would want to, you know, when you just hear about the name of Jesus, you'd want to just say, Master Jesus, my lover, the person that saved me out of everything that is called death, you'd want to actually give him the glory that is due to his name. So we're not saying do what you want. No. In fact, we are actually saying that once you step into him, you are free to act in righteousness. That is why he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. It is something that is a process. Once you come into him, you have come into the place of liberty. You are no longer confined. You are never free to sin, but you have come into the place where you are free to walk in righteousness. You're no longer trying to strive. It is the energy and the grace and the working of God that propels you into the glory of righteousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say glory to Jesus. It is what he has done that helps me to walk in righteousness. It is not what you do. It's not what you do. And that would always keep you in humility. There's nothing to boast about. Because the same thing he did for me, he did for you. The same thing he worked in me, he worked in you. It is something that is already done. It is not something that I try to strive to. It is not something that you try to strive to. It is the energy of God that propels you. So nobody here boasts. That is why we keep giving Jesus the glory. 
We keep honoring him. We keep magnifying his name. We keep glorifying his name. Because he is the one. He is the one. Somebody shout, Jesus, you are the one. And that is what true humility is. When you recognize that Jesus is the source of it all. And the ability of it all. Where we do not look unto ourselves. As I said, the first hope, our primary hope, is Christ. And then, we receive redemption. Remember, the redemption is a full package. The redemption was through his blood. His blood was what paid the price. And we have been redeemed from death and fear, the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. We have been redeemed from slavery to sin. Romans chapter 6. Read from 6 to 11. We have been redeemed from the law. From the law. Romans chapter 7 verses 1 to 6. And we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter 3. From verses, uh, 3 verse 13. We have been redeemed from all these things. We have been redeemed from it. And the fact of it is, interestingly, we spoke about wisdom. Please, those of us that weren't here for Bible study, please, rewatch Bible study. This act in him is the height of his wisdom. The height of his wisdom. You see, Bible says that the foolishness of God. You know, when Paul writes, sometimes he, the way he writes... You wonder. He said, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. That is, where God begins is far greater than where man even starts from. That it will be true the offering of himself, the redemption of himself, that we will see the height of wisdom. That is what makes our first hope to be in him. Our first hope is not in college degrees, but by the grace of God, please do go and do your best to, to the youth. Please don't say, after all, my first hope is Christ. No, no. Please do go to college. Our first hope is not what we possess. In fact, our truly true possession that will span eternity is Christ. He is the true treasure, the wealth of eternity. He said, walk before me and be perfect. You see, he says that I am your exceeding and great reward. He himself is that reward. He himself is the height of his wisdom. Hmm. Now we go to verse 9. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9. He says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. What's he saying? It is his pleasure that the mystery of his will is accomplished in himself. The mystery of what he desires to, to perform upon the face of the earth is accomplished in himself. Now look at what verse, verse 10 says. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things that are in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, in him. What's he saying? He's saying that he will bring everything that is called Christ in heaven. Bring everything that is called Christ on earth and compress it into one. That everything would be Christ. So that the rule, the dominion, what would be seen and experienced would be Christ. The nature, the name, everything will be Christ. What he's saying there is that there will be a union 
a union. That, that's his intent, that there will be a union. That if you bring Christ and anything in Christ, all you will see is Christ. That there will be nothing that can be distinguishable between anything called by Christ or called his name, Christ. So what's he saying here? That we all are one in Christ. We are one with the Father. We are one with each other. Let's open to John chapter 17 from verses 20 to 24. John chapter 17 from verses 20 to 24. Now Jesus here is in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying his high priestly prayer. He's praying his last prayer before he went on for crucifixion. He says in verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. Now, he had finished praying for his disciples. But he said, but for those also who believe in me. Amen. How many people here believe in Christ Jesus? You believe in Christ Jesus. Amen. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. But for those also who believe in me, through their word, in other words, they have confessed it, that they may all be, say it together, they may all be, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So what he's saying here is that we are one. In the Father. We are one in the Son. That as you are walking, as you walk, the Father, the one who created all things, is walking with you. When you are sleeping, you are so much in union with God that there is nothing to distinguish between you and the Father and you and the Son and you and me. Did you get that? That there is nothing that distinguishes me from you. There is nothing that distinguishes you from me. There is nothing that distinguishes us from the Father. There is nothing that distinguishes the Father from, from Jesus. A union that cannot be separated. Let's go. Let's go on. It says in verse, verse 22. That glory which you have given me. I have given to. I have given to. Uh, he does not share his glory with another. That's, that's, not, that's not so. In the Old Testament, yes. Because God did not have sons. But now, he gives his glory to those that are in him. Why? Because once you step into him, you step into all that he is. The covering of the glory that he possesses, you possess. Now, please, say this confidently. Without any fear of intimidation, the glory of God reigns in me. It is what the Lord has given to me. It is your possession. It is your possession. The glory of God reigns in you as a possession. That they may be one. Just as we are one. Because Jesus received the glory from the Father. We receive the same glory in content, in value, 
in character, everything about the glory of the Father, he has given to his children. Not apart from Christ, not apart from Christ, not outside Christ, not outside the will of Christ, but in Christ. I in them, and you in me, that we may be perfect in unity. You see, when he was saying that that is his intent and that is his will, he's basically saying, here in his last prayer, he's basically decreeing his purpose and his will for his church that he was going to be instituting and living in the hands of the disciples. That there will be a unity that cannot be broken. Now listen, that unity is not based on what you do. Your confidence in the place of prayer should not be because you feel like you have walked in supreme holiness. Once your confidence in the place of prayer becomes about you, you are on shaky ground. But once your confidence is about him, then you stand in his righteousness. Remember, he said, when I go, I will send he the spirit of God. When he will come, he said he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. So sin is unbelief. Number one, how many people here believe? If you believe, that, that one is gone. Then number two, of righteousness. Why? Because I go to the Father, saying that it is Jesus that is the way to the Father, not your works. Your own righteousness is filthy. It smells. It's something that should be discarded. But the righteousness of Jesus always takes you to the Father. Always makes your face to appear before the Father. That is why we don't preach the law. Let's keep going. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me. Someone say, turn to your neighbor and say, you see me sitting down here. Look well. I am not here. <laughs> I am seated somewhere else. You see me sitting down here. If you're at home, you see me sleeping on my bed. God help you. <laughs> I am not here. I am seated in the heavenly places far above every principality and power. Why? Because it is something that Jesus has given to us freely. Amen. So that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Brothers and sisters, he has given us his glory. He has given us his presence. And that is our first hope in Christ. It is something that he gives, but you have to be in him. Then you find out that there is that union. That you have been redeemed from everything that once held you bound. And released unto freedom. The liberty to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness. It is no longer you asking, Father, help me, help me. And, I, and hear what I'm saying now. I'm not saying you shouldn't say, Father, help me. 
What I am saying here is that he saw that you needed help and then he sent the solution, Jesus. It is not that you have asked. It is that he has seen the, 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 the plight of man and then he sent the solution. He did it without you asking. That is the love of our God. The love of our God is so strong that he wants to clothe you with everything that he is. He wants to clothe you with his glory that he carries. First John chapter 4 verse 17 says this. That as we are as he is, so are we in this world. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll quickly read through verses 28 to 32. Oh, wow. Lost for time. Okay. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. If your wife is by your side, I love you like my body. If your wife is by your side, don't pray. I'll tell her I love you. Oh, your wife is not by your side. Okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he who loves his own wife loves himself. Now, if you truly love your wife, you actually love yourself. Because number one, you would have peace of mind. The people who know, they understand. The first thing I learned, the first slogan I learned when I entered the States was happy wife, happy life. <laughs> For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, listen to this, verse 31. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his wife and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, verse 32 says, this mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So what he is saying is that we are the bone of the bone of Christ. The flesh of the flesh of Christ. We are joined with him to a point where whatever he owns is what you own. Now, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This is practically saying that his, he is the limitation and the capacity of our inheritance. All that he owns, you own. As the flesh of his flesh and the bone of his bones. Romans 8 verse 17 says that we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. It is the inheritance that we receive in him. For example, you see here that he says in verse 11, being predestined according to the purpose of him, predestination is found in Christ. For example, we are accepted in the beloved. 
our acceptance is not outside of Christ. Neither is it individualistic. Our acceptance is once we step into Christ. Because it is Christ that is accepted. Did you get that? It is Christ that is accepted. Once you step into him, you benefit from that acceptance. So Christ is the predestined one. That's why he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. He was the purpose of the father. He was the desire of the father that he would be the one who would bring all men into light and salvation. So he is the one that is accepted. He is the one that is predestined. He is the one that is chosen. And once you step into him, you are chosen. You see, God's purpose is that all men will come unto salvation. All men. So he desires. So if we say that some people are predestined for greatness and some people are predestined to, to fail, then that means God did not die for all men. His desire is that all men will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. So free will is that a method, is that engine through which God brings us into salvation. The moment you accept the salvation message of Christ, you step into the one that is beloved. You step into the one that is chosen. You step into the one that is accepted. So it is not something that is apart from him. It is something that is found in him. It is Christ that is the inheritance. It is Christ that is predestined for greatness. It is Christ. And once you reject him, that's why it is a very dangerous thing for us to look at our brothers and sisters who don't yet have an appreciation for the love of God. The Bible does not say we should pray that they be saved. No. The Bible says that we should pray that laborers will be sent into the vineyard. So the people that they would listen to, some of us, we know that our family members will not listen to us. But there might be someone there that is sent to them. So we pray that the person they will listen to, that their ears will be open to, that that person will come. Why? Because the prophet is not accepted in his hometown. Jesus faced the same thing. We know you. You were born by illegal means. Nobody knows your father. So when he went there, he couldn't do any mighty work. So the prayer is that the people who will receive that seed will be sent to them. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into the vineyard. That is, our hearts should burn that they will receive the gospel. Because it is in him that all the wealth of eternity, all the wealth of salvation, all the wealth of glory, even himself. There is something that Paul said in Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. And I'm so sorry for taking too much of your time. But I'm about to round up. Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. And we will just quickly read to 28. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, 
which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery. Someone said the word of God is the mystery. He said that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. You see, Paul is practically saying here that this mystery is the wealth of eternity. That when you're looking for true riches, I believe there was a program we, we did. Was it true riches? We, have we done that before? He said, the true riches. True riches. And he calls that the true riches. He says, to whom God... That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his sense, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the true riches. Christ in you is the message. Christ in you is the end. You see, Christ in you is our first hope, and that is the glory of God. Because this was the wisdom that he proposed to reveal in himself. Christ in you. You see, Christ is the beginning and the end and the essence of our calling and election. That's why he said you must labor to make your calling and your election sure. Christ is the message and the end product of the message. Now, let me just quickly read one, one last thing here. He says, we proclaim him. Another version will say, him we preach. Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. So that we may present every man complete in Christ. So that we may present to the Father everyone mature in Christ. That is the end that we will present. That is why we preach him. So, please don't be upset. That every time we preach, we preach Christ. But that is the message. If Paul was here, that would be the message. If Peter was here, that would be the message. We preach him, presenting everyone, that we might present everyone mature and complete in Christ. May we all rise up on our feet.